Hey everybody, welcome to Beauty and Beard. I'm Troy. I'm Shaka Burnett. And we welcome you all to this uh, podcast that we're doing today. Just want to let you all know, give you a heads up, this is uh, mature content. And so you may want to be cautious as to um, if you want to share this with uh, kids around. Um, we are going to be talking about some topics that are sensitive to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope that you enjoy. Another, And I know for you, like you didn't want to show yourself, and correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't. I know that you didn't necessarily want to come out and start sharing and and to emote in front of me because you were trying to protect me. Why did you? Why did you feel like it was necessary for you to protect me? Um, for the reason that you said. The whole idea in my mind, I knew that you had probably thought I'm not going to be a father. And it, uh, our friends, again, like you said, were so our friends, a good bit of them. And it wasn't just these particular friends, but our friends married each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while all of our friends married each other. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I said it wasn't just that group for yeah. a particular mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, while, while I am having a relationship with the females and, you know, seeing the pregnancies and experiencing all these things and stuff like that. My husband is having relationship with the males and experiencing fatherhood and all of that stuff as it's going on. That included family. Cause, um, our cousins had babies at the same time. Yeah. Literally everyone had babies at the same time. And so these were the conversations that we were having on both ends. I was having conversations with them about motherhood. He was having conversations with the men about fatherhood and he was holding the babies and stuff like that. And so, in my mind, I'm like, if I'm sitting here thinking about what I'm thinking about, um, he may not think about it as much in between like I do, but I thought that you possibly were reminded of it every time we were around mm-hmm. these individuals. And so uh, I was like, you know, I can handle it um, in the way that I do. I don't know what handling it looked like. Didn't know what handling handling it looked like for you. And so in my mind, too, it was like, well, we're in this predicament because my body's acting up. And so it's not really fair to him. And I just wanted to make sure you were okay through it all. Even though I knew we couldn't do anything about it, I was like, I just want to make sure my husband is okay. It's so funny. And this is when it comes to certain things, it's it's us. And then for other things, it's me Mm -hmm. when it comes to you specifically. Mm -hmm. Here, I know that sounded like a bunch of gibberish, but let me try to break it down for you. So when it comes to money, it's our money. You know, hey, you know, I'm spending. We, we oftentimes joke about that uh, in the sense of uh, I'm like, hey, um, I, my check came in. So blah, 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 blah. She's like, um, it's called a joint account. OK. And so we share this money. Now, we both work, but, you know, we always we joke about stuff like that. So, you know, we when it comes to certain things, you know, it it's us. Majority of times it's us. But in this situation, you took it as it's just you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't take it as it's just me, to be honest. I felt like it was us and it affected us. But um, the truth of the matter is when infertility is on one end and I don't, I'm only speaking for myself, but Mm -hmm. I've talked to several women who have been in this position as well. And they agree when it's you that it's 
that is the um the factor that's not working correctly. Yeah. Um, there's a moment when your mind goes to, if you weren't with me, you could potentially be a father. So like the, the thought sometimes that you could literally walk away, not saying walk away, like in like infidelity or we divorce or anything like that, but just the whole, um, hypothetically, you could walk away. Like if I were to die today, you know, something like that and have a child, you could be 80, 90 years old and a woman get pregnant and have a child. But on my end, this is something I take with me since, you know, I can't right now have a child. Uh, it means that if I walk away or, or whatever, no matter who I'm with, this is still an issue. And then also at this point in my life of knowing that I'm in, I'm 40 now. And so my body is preparing for menopause. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that seems a lot more finite than it used to. So that's why it's really just because looking at the circumstances realistically from a physical standpoint, it means a little bit more for me in this situation than it does for you. Hmm. That's why. So, you know, it's hard sometimes to think if it weren't for my body not working, you could be a father. So that's, that's one of those things where, again, when I, when I think about you, I'm like, okay, I have to come to terms with the fact that wherever my life would take me, this is what I have to walk away with. But it, I also have to, in my mind, think about the fact that you are in this because of your faithfulness um, to our marriage, because of your love for me, you know, all of that stuff. You are putting yourself in this position for that reason. And so then, of course the love that you give me and loving me that way makes me want to love you back and make sure that you're okay. Yeah. But when you're dying inside, that kills me. I know. I know. That's a hard, that is a hard line to walk on. It really is. Oh, he's so cute. We so, in this thing together. I know. I know. Um, another thing too, for me, honestly, when you're dealing with something like this, the last thing you want to do is steal the joy from others. And so when you mentioned the fact of, um, I, I think we've, I've shared this with you before, but I can't remember. But one of the reasons too, why I at the time didn't want to tell a lot of people, um, was because I didn't want to steal the joy from others. Uh, it's, it can be a real downer when you're dealing with this issue in the present moment and you're talking to your friends who are, um, you know, seven months along, <laughs> six months along, and you're saying, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I can't do that. And I'm feeling a certain way right now, or my emotions are high and my emotions are high naturally, but they're also high because I'm on hormones right now because I'm trying to do what you're doing. Um, that's another thing too, for a good bit of this, I was doing medication, um, you know, in order to hopefully make my body uh, a little bit more welcoming for pregnancy. And so I didn't want to in any moment show up at a baby shower and start crying or show up at a, um, someone's house or they make an announcement to us. And I actually, you know, share in some way, shape or form on my face, how I was feeling at the announcement or how, you know, whatever. Um, there was actually a time I went to a conference and, um, 
and I think either women were pregnant or had just had babies, I believe, or something like that. And I remember we were at church and um, I was sitting in, I was just having a day. It, it took every bit of me to get through the conference because I was, again, dealing with this. Um, it was in my mind and stuff like that. And I sat in the second row and all of the their firstborns were lined up in the front row. And at the same time, for some reason, they just turned around and were leaning against the chairs looking at me or something like that. I can't remember. But they were little, little babies. And I lost it. And mm. I knew that no one would know why I was crying because I hid it as if I were praising God. And I let it seem, you know, I could put my hand in my head. I could, or my head in my hands. I could grab tissue, cry, whatever. We were at church. No one knew. No one saw. It was the easiest place to do it and just let it go. And, and I cried the whole service. And at the end of the service, I tried to get myself together. I cried, I think probably for about 10 minutes after service too, just sat in a chair and, and I let people think that I was worshiping. I was like, God, that's what they think. Perfect. Because I just need this cloak right now. And, um, and I, and I was like, I'm ready to go home. And, um, and that was probably, it was so new, so raw. So that's why everything was so hard. Then I've gotten so much better, but that, those are the kind of things that I went through in the very beginning when, when this was all new and fresh, mm -hmm. um, that I didn't know how I didn't want to bring down a relationship. I didn't want to bring down others in the moments of their joy. And so it was like, how do you share with people who can't understand who aren't going through this, um, or aren't having this issue that you are secretly dying inside? Mm. Um, how do you have your moment and it be okay? publicly if and is it okay publicly is there's some of the questions I was asking myself mm -hmm. so those are the reasons why I did not disclose it or want to disclose it right away it was just it was the womb wasn't it was just fresh so um we still have more of the story to tell but I'm curious so what brings you to this point today that you're willing to share it um, cause I, I, it is not just because of the month of April being, <laughs> being <laughs> infertility month, but no. you know, it's gotta, there's gotta be some underlying thing. You, you are my reason. Um, honestly, I, I realize that this isn't just my story and we did a podcast, um, with Roy and Brittany McDonald and very in the very beginning of the podcast <laughs> and even through part of the conversation that we had off camera um Roy and Brittany shared that they process things differently and Brittany is very much social media and talking about things and she's okay with being open and I think Roy kind of internal is an internal processor like myself and she made he made provision I guess an accommodation for her to allow her to be able to process things the way she needed to and in turn she did the same for him and you are a very um external processor you like to share what's going on and and part of my thought too is I don't want to stop you from being able to process in the way you process mm -hmm. um and this is how you this is one of the ways you process things mm -hmm. and so really wanting to give you that opportunity to to do it 
Um, also wanting to be able to at least be open that this is something that we're going through Mm -hmm. um, because of the questions that I know that are out there. Everyone knows we love kids and everyone Mm -hmm. knows uh, I'm pretty sure there have been speculations of maybe they just can't have children um, or maybe there were thoughts of they're just waiting kind of deal. I don't know, but hopefully this will clear that up for anyone who's willing to watch. So they'll know the answer. And so they'll stop asking us, Mm. (laughs) when are you having children? Do you want to have kids? Um, You know, the biblical responses of, oh, whenever God's ready, it's time and all that stuff. Maybe they'll just take this, um, put it in the back of their minds and let it be. Mm. So those are the reasons, honestly, for sharing now for me personally. If, If it weren't for me, would you... Would you ever share? I actually do share with anyone who asks. Um, do I? Do I just put it out there? No, but because I know, I know at first when we when we got the news, I was hesitant. I don't even know why I was hesitant. Maybe I was, maybe I was hesitant because you told me you didn't want to tell people. Well, I don't. I don't know. I think you were being sensitive to me. I remember that. And you were trying to be sensitive um, of how I was feeling, letting me process it. You you didn't want to just put it out there until I think we had processed it. Yeah, because we didn't, we didn't even tell our parents for a while. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think we wanted to get to a point where we actually knew that we had tried what we could try. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely going to be a thing. Um in honesty, we didn't actually tell my our families until two years ago. We had been doing this for a couple of years. Two years ago, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and though we were finding out stuff 2015. Yeah. And we only told them because, <laughs> because I had to have a procedure as part of this. Mm, and the procedure, yeah. mm-hmm. the mm. procedure required that I stay home for two weeks afterwards and I needed help. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So, um, part of that is, so we, we got the information in 2014, 2015. Um, and then the, a year after that, uh, 2016, we, we decided to pursue, or uh, get a second opinion. And then around 2017, 2018, we didn't start making trips to Charlottesville where we were meeting with a specialist. Mm -hmm. And um, in the uh, uh, process, I I don't know, in the procedures that they were taking and, you know, to discover things, they discovered um, that you... Oh, so... um... They did ultrasound, they did, you know, blood work, they um, did all the stuff that the doctor previously had done, and they looked at her results, and they just did it to compare, and then they did some additional testing, and the results came out that I had have endometriosis, um, which means that my lining is actually growing, the lining that's supposed to be growing, I guess, um, at a certain part of your tube is actually growing on the opposite side of it. So it's growing on the outside of the tube or it's growing um, very thickly on the inside of the tube and that's what's causing the blockage. And so it's kind of like scarring. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the procedure that I had was to 
so they could go in and and correct it hopefully cut it open enough to to leave a opening so that if we try to conceive um the egg and the sperm could meet um and so if i may it was uh, a laparoscopy the um the by the Mayo Clinic, MayoClinic.org. Your boy did some research today. Uh, endometriosis is a um, often painful disorder in which tissue similar to the tissue that normally lines the inside of the uterus um, grows outside of the uterus. Uh, endometrio- endometriosis uh, most commonly involves uh, your ovaries, fallopian tubes, and tissue lining. Uh, your pelvis. Rarely uh, endometrial tissue may spread beyond pelvic organs. Um, some of the symptoms in- include painful periods, um, pain with intercourse, pain with bowel movements, um, slash urination, um, excessive bleeding, and infertility. Mm-hmm. Were those some of the symptoms that you were dealing with? All the above. Mm. All the above. And the crazy part is... Um, so going back, I had before Troy and I got married, I I had this concern. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but I actually had a concern that I might be infertile. I don't mm. uh I had never had sex, you know, never even close to getting pregnant. The thirty so, year old virgin. Yes. So I don't even know why I would even think that, but I think in my mind I was like, Well, not even in my mind, I wanted to be a geneticist and so I had done some research. And I knew that there could be some underlying issues or complications or what have you. And so I was like, I just want to get tested to find out. Well, when I went to my doctor, he said, because you haven't um, tried and because there's no reason for us to assume that there's an issue, if I were to test you right now, your insurance wouldn't cover it. And I can't justify the testing. And so for that reason, he wouldn't test me. And so, you know, fast forward, Troy and I get married and there is an issue. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Sometimes I think about that. I could have known about this before we got married. But, you know, it wasn't God's intention because he knows that that really would have affected whether or not I married you. I would have married you. I probably wouldn't even have though you. you wouldn't have married me if I if I had a kid coming into the marriage, even though you wouldn't have married me or dated me. Mm-hmm. I, I still would have married you. I can't say that I would have married you if I had known beforehand that I couldn't have children. I'm going to be honest. I probably wouldn't have. That's one of those sacrificial things where I would have thought for the good of the order, I am going to say no to the proposal or I no to dating. I don't think it's, I, okay. Yeah, you're right. Women's I'm not saying right, it's right. I'm not saying to. it's right. Here's what, here's what I would say. I don't think that would have been fair and we're talking hypothetical. So let's not even get upset about this, but hypothetically, I don't think that would have been fair. It I think I think it would have been un I think the fair thing to do would have been to tell me if you had got the results. We didn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. So it would have been it would have been if you knew for sure that this was an issue and you got results, doctors told you blah blah blah, but you never told me and then I never got an opportunity to make a decision on my own, that that would have been so unfair, but because we didn't know, we, you know, I, mm-hmm. but I still would have married you though. So I think I actually got tested the year that you and I weren't together. I know. I think I had requested the test 
the year that you and I weren't together. Not, not, af- not after we started dating. I think I'd actually requested it during that mm-hmm. year in 2007 that we weren't together. Speaking of tests before we got married, Shaka made me take STD tests before we got married. If you don't do that before you get married, especially, <laughs> especially, I'm just going to put it out there. I, if you've I had partners. Yeah. I, I willingly did it. I I mean, um, and I, I had been celibate before we got married, uh, probably like three or four, maybe five years prior to us being married. Um, so I knew, <laughs> I knew I wasn't sexually active and I didn't have any symptoms of anything. I was like, I'm straight. So when she asked me, I was kind of caught off guard, but I was like, but I understand. Cause I ain't gonna lie. Your boy got a history. Your yes, boy got a history. And I'm like, please don't bring that into our marriage. And, bed. and it was right. I, I should not have brought it, brought that in. Um, and I didn't bring no. anything because no, the results came back negative. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Bless uh, the Lord. <laughs> Bless the Lord. So, um, we went to get the second opinion, found out you had endometriosis. You had a procedure. So we had to let the parents know they came up, um, mm-hmm. because you were going to be out for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the surgery, did you, and did you have hope that this would be opportunity? Like this would be like the fixer, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? While you're processing, I will answer. I did have hope. Um, although I was, I, I, I had hope and I still do have hope at the same time, mentally I'm like, but if, if it doesn't come to fruition, then, um, that we, after the procedure that we get pregnant, then I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, one of the biggest things, though, is that with the procedure of uh, dealing with the endometriosis was I was happy that um, some of the issues that you were going with were being addressed, uh, that you were going through were uh, being addressed mm-hmm. um, because the process was to hopefully eliminate some of those things. Mm-hmm. But it only sticks for like, what, two years? Uh-uh. Less. Less than two years? Six to nine months. Yeah, so I was like, well, at least there will be some relief from some of these symptoms for for a period of time because um, I really wanted you to be um, – I really didn't – I don't know. I just I just really wanted what was best for you. Yeah. So um, thank you. <laughs> thank you. So the testing actually revealed a couple of things. It confirmed that I wasn't ovulating – um, it confirmed that my tubes were blocked. Uh, he went in and actually took these beautiful pictures. If you can imagine that showed it so clearly where the blockage was. So it was really nice to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, if I, while I'm in there, if I can, um, maybe fix it a little bit, then I will try if it's not too bad. And so, um, when you asked if I was hopeful, I think because of the way he presented it, he presented it in a way that was just so well or so good because he didn't want to give me false hope or give mm-hmm. us false hope. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I erred on the side of caution and I was like, I'm not gonna, the best cases it works, the worst cases it doesn't. And so I'm just going to be neutral just in case, because I had been through so many highs and lows over the years mm-hmm. that I didn't want that to happen again. Mm. 
And so, um, so when, when we finished the testing and I knew we had to wait, I was like, you know, all we can do now is try and we'll see what happens. And so, um, that's how I felt. I didn't really, I didn't have a hope. I didn't have, I did not have hope. I just was like, it's another attempt. Yeah. So. So we had the procedure. Um, and then um, you're home two weeks. Shout out to Mama J. Shout out to. Grandma. Uh, grandma. Did she come and stay? Grandma came. Grandma came. How long came. did she stay for? I don't. I don't think she stayed. I think she just actually came up to see me on a Sunday. Okay. And, but mom. My mom, mom came. Uh-huh. Your mom came. And then your aunt came. And then my aunt came. Mm-hmm. And they all stayed. Shout um, out to y'all. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, For for coming. And, and then you on. stayed like two days. Yeah. I think. Now, don't. I would have stayed longer. <laughs> Shaka forced me out the house. They were here, so he didn't have to be here. She forced me out the house. He, I wanted him to have some type of normalcy. Um, and um, but they were awesome. They came in and they 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 did everything, and uh, we had some great bonding time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after Shaka was healed, um, so we went back to trying, and um, that was what two years ago, at least. Yeah, yeah it was that two was... years ago. Yeah, 2018. So we are we're still trying, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, oh, hopefully so at the same time. Yeah. So I do have to tell you there are multiple issues um, beyond the two that I mentioned: the fact that I don't ovulate and the fact that um, my tubes are blocked. And to be honest, it's been two years; so they're probably blocked again. So I'd have to. The doctor said that each time we wanted to try, I would have to get the surgery again in order to correct it. And you know, with any type of surgery, they're scarring. And so the adverse effect of that could be worse scarring than is already there. But also my lining sheds early. And so, um, I don't have the window that most women have, um, which is somewhere around, you know, day 14, you're your most fertile. And then you have a couple of days before and a couple of days after, um, normally your menstrual is your lining shedding. So for two weeks from that day 14 to like day 28, the bot you're, if you're pregnant, the baby is incubating and the baby is making its way towards your uterus where it can implant and you can get pregnant and implantation, um, you know, starts the whole process of you just, you're pregnant. I mean, you're pregnant before that, but, um, but at that point, you know, your baby is not going to be flushed out of your system and things like that. So for me, my lining actually starts shedding somewhere around the time I'm supposed to be getting pregnant and it keeps going until the time when it would implant. So in addition to a medication to make me ovulate a surgery and, um, there's something else I can't remember. I also have to take medication so that my lining that prevents my lining from shedding so that the baby can implant into my uterus if I get pregnant. So there are multiple things going on with my body that make it very challenging to get pregnant. Mm, you laid it all out there. Laid it all out there. I did not expect you to do that. So, well, <laughs> that's all of it. So we are, um, this was 
a, a step in the direction of us processing everything. Uh, I'm not going to say that. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, it's necessarily um, this is going to heal everything. But this was us uh, wanting to share our story because we know that other people are going through the same thing. And what we want to do is we want to let you know that you're not by yourself. And um, we don't want you to be how we were, um, secretive, um, hiding, um, and just really upset. Because through this whole process, you know, we we haven't handled it the best. Let me keep it a stack with you. Um, a stack, for those who don't know, uh, is a thousand, which is a, um, a, <laughs> a synonym which we use oftentimes for uh, 100, which means 100%. So <laughs> that was a long I, I know it was a long explanation, but the, just to keep it real with you, like um, we we don't want you to go through this stuff on, on your own. One of the steps that we have taken towards uh, developing our family has been to um, go through the process of becoming foster parents. Mm-hmm. Um, with and you know we we've, we've shared with the organization that we're with that you know not only are we looking to foster, but uh, we are also open to the idea of fostering to adopt. Um, because, hey, we may not be able to do, biologically right now, it doesn't look um, like it's in our favor, but we can still capitalize on one of the things that we promised one another that we would do at the very beginning of our our marriage, and that was to look at adoption. Uh, Another another, um, consolation prize has been uh, we have a plethora of godchildren. The good thing about godchildren is the godchildren can come and stay with you. You can have fun with them, so on and so forth. After the week is gone, <laughs> here you go. Back to your parents. Get back home. <laughs> and we go back to normal life. Uh throughout this whole situation, um what has where has your faith been? Um my faith in God has definitely um, been challenged, to be honest. Um, not in the sense that I ever lost sight of who he was, but there have been times when I'm like, Lord, what did I do? You know, you start mm-hmm. thinking back in your mind. Is mm-hmm. there something that I did a long time ago that I'm being punished for now? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also think about, Lord, um, why, why me? Like, why did you choose this to be part of my story? Why did you choose this to be part of our marriage? Um, why couldn't you have told me sooner? <laughs> you know, kind of deal. And so um, those, I think there have, the conversation with me and God has changed in light of this. But, um, and it, it puts a challenge in, in Job, um, he says that, you know, you're, I guess your ways are too wonderful is how he explains it for mm. me to understand. And so it puts that into perspective of God, um, you know, too wonderful, meaning too grand, too big, too excellent. Not always saying that it's positive. It just means it's out of what my little pea picker could possibly think. 
and or understand uh, comprehend and so um those are probably the that's probably where I would say it's put my faith like really challenging it and saying knowing that that's the case do I still choose to serve you do I still choose to love you in the way that I did before this shouldn't change our relationship you know for the worse um yeah because this is what this is a possibility of what could happen and, and this is what your plan for my life was yeah so. uh very similar um you mentioned job so um one of the things that one of the verses in job that particularly sticks out is um though he slay me yet will i trust him mm-hmm. and um part of that deals with the overarching um point of what you were um one of the things that you were touching on was um i don't understand why i'm going through what i'm going through right now but i do know that god is good and because god is good he has a overarching plan um that he is he's trying to orchestrate and um or that he's orchestrating uh through us and so um i don't know what that ultimate plan is but daggone it it must be a whole lot better than my uh my desire to be a father at this time and um I'm just, uh, and that has allowed me to be patient and waiting to see exactly what's going to be revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, just accept it. It just, just to accept what's going on right now, knowing that there must be something bigger and greater that's behind it. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow, that was, <laughs> <laughs> so how I handle, um, uh, uh, emotional type of moments and stuff and things of that nature. And it gets me in trouble a lot of times. I make jokes and I laugh. So we laugh just right now to keep us from crying. Um, I definitely, uh, kudos to you um, for being willing to share um, everything. Mm-hmm. You bear it all today. Yeah. Thanks for creating opportunities. Yeah. I hope I hope honestly this helped you cuz um I know that you are again we process differently and mm-hmm. I know that that just as just as uh I guess it's been probably just as hard for you as it's been for me um throughout these years trying to understand God's plan in terms of our family and yeah. and why this would be our story. Um and so, like I said, I know that it's something that I, I deal with on a regular and I process and and you process externally more so than I do. So I hope that this is something that that helps that for you Yeah. as well. And I hope it does something for you too. Um, yeah. I hope it does. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe it's not supposed to kiss till the end. end. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Well, before we go, can I give a little something to the ladies? Yeah, by all means. Okay. So, um, 
one of the things I wanted to share with any of the women who are dealing with infertility um, or even loss, because infertility is not just mm-hmm. an issue that mm-hmm. it means you can't have children, but for the women who have had miscarriages as well, um, especially those of you who have had, who have tried and, and had a baby in you and not been able to carry a baby to term or have had an ectopic pregnancy or, or anything, anything that is, that has um, enabled you from having a child, even if you have children now, um, my heart goes out to you. Definitely. We're praying for you. Um, But I wanted to share a couple of resources that I have found extremely helpful for me along the way. Um, I I go back to them again and again. Uh, One of them is a book by Lisa Turkhurst. Um, It's called, it's not supposed to be this way. And it's just a general book about anything in your life that could have thrown you for a loop. Um, but I really love it. Again, it's uh, Lisa Turkhurst. It's not supposed to be this way. Um, also, Thriving Through and After Infertility and Loss by Justine Brooks Frockler. Another thing is Longing for Motherhood by Chelsea Patterson Sobolik. Um, And hopefully we'll put these in the comments or something. <laughs> and, um, and you version has some great Bible studies, actually all of those things the that Uversion I, app. yeah, the you version app, which is the Bible app. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things that I mentioned also have a Bible study to go with them. I've read the books, but there's Bible studies and Bible app to go with them. And that's kind of how I found out about them. Um, one Bible study is called, um, Infertility Encouragement from Sarah's Laughter. Um, That's a devotional. Sarah's Laughter is actually an organization on infertility. It's a support group for women around the country who get together, who just talk. Um, There are some opportunities to chat, discuss. They have events. I think they actually have a conference, but it's called Sarah's Laughter, and they actually have a devotional, Um, but that's what the group is called. And then Uh, Just a reminder that there's also a National Infertility Association called Resolve, where you can just go to resolve.org and get more information on infertility and find out about events that might be going on in your area that you can support. There are runs for infertility and walks. There are conferences. There are vending opportunities. There are groups for support, all kinds of things. Um, And that's one of the ways that I found out that April 19th through the 25th is Um, National Infertility Awareness Mm. Week. The colors, the ribbons are pink and blue. Um, So if that's something that you want to support or that you deal with too, a pink and blue ribbon um, is just an easy symbol for that. And ironically, Troy, there's a... What is that, Shaka? There's a fruit. (laughs) If you wonder what the symbol for infertility is or what the, um, I guess, I don't know what you would call it. It's a pineapple. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? It's because apparently a pineapple has a lot of the nutrients that you need in order to make your body more welcoming for fertility. Hmm. And so they've adopted the pineapple as the national symbol. That's so, pretty cool. Isn't that interesting? That yeah. is interesting. Thank you so much for um for sharing that that um all that information to our listeners. I'll um for the video version I'll be sure to um add those links and stuff like that. Um, and for all of those who are listening, um, all of those who are watching, we want to thank you all so much for uh, being willing to sit down and hear our story. 
Um, we pray that it was uh, effective and helpful for you. Um, and if not for you, you know someone who is going through the process of infertility, at least you can get a little insight of some of the things that they are uh, dealing with. And um, thank you all for, for, for tuning in. This is your boy, Troy. And Shaka Burnett. And uh, thank you all for coming by. Peace. Love you. Love you. <laughs> Peace.